Father, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, by the presence of his Holy Spirit among us and within every single believer. And all God's people said, Amen. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. You never know when that saying is going to pop up, right, around Dell. And you never know where it's going to find traction, that truth and its power. You never know when it's going to show up in the scriptures either. It's amazing to me how you go back in the Gospels to times before the resurrection, but then when the resurrection is fresh in your heart and mind, you keep, you keep seeing it underneath and in the middle of. It's a powerful thing. And we want to have the resurrection power that's something that is uh, an everyday part of our lives, right? Obviously, it's not going to be like you know knocking buildings over and nations over every day kind of thing. But we can know the resurrection power of Christ in our lives every day. So let's take a look at that. Uh, we're going to get back in the flow of John's gospel now. So where we were a few Sundays ago, this passage is flowing out of the aftermath of Jesus healing the man who was lame for 38 years. Remember that he's around the pool, can't get in. Jesus goes over to him alone that day. He just healed that man, surrounded by people in desperate need of healing. That day, the father said, this one. And he healed that man, been lame for 38 years. And that creates this dust up, this big confrontation with the religious leaders, right? They were ticked off because he healed the man on what day of the week? The Sabbath. And then they're, they're rattling Jesus' cage about that. They're kind of pushing on about that. How come you did this on the Sabbath? And Jesus lets slip with this wonderful thing. He says, well... My father is continuing to work. He doesn't take the Sabbath off. And I am continuing to work with him as well. My father. So that, whoa, that blew the lid off and things got really shaky. Um, pursuing Jesus, the scheming to, to get him killed and stuff really takes, goes into high gear. So that's where we're at now, John chapter 5. I'm going to pick it up at verse 19 where we were three Sundays ago. But just, I'm going to basically fly right through it and flow into the new stuff for today, okay? So John chapter 5, verse 19. So Jesus said to them, they're harassing him about claiming to be God's son. Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, the son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the father doing. For whatever the father does, that the son does likewise. For the father loves the son and shows him all that he himself is doing. This wonderful, this whole relationship of the Father and the Son, it's a beautiful, powerful thing. Greater works than these will, will the Father show him, so that you may marvel. For as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, so also the Son gives life to whom he will. For the Father judges no one, but has given all judgment to the Son, that all may honor the Son, just as they honor the Father. Whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. Would you say that? That's a powerful refrigerator verse, right? A memory verse? Share with somebody verse 24. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. And in truth, that is <coughs> who puts up the obstacles to believing and being saved. <laughs> we do. God didn't make it hard. So simple and beautiful, wonderful. 
He does not come into judgment, but is passed from death to life. The one who believes in Jesus does not come into judgment, but is passed already from death to life. Such good news. Truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming and is now here. When the dead, he's talking dead spiritually, the dead spiritually will hear the voice of the Son of God, and those who hear will live. What's happening yet today? There might be somebody here today who is spiritually dead, has yet to hear and believe and receive Jesus as Savior and Lord. He says, you're spiritually dead, but all is not lost for you. You can hear today and believe and live. Verse 26, for as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself. And the Father has given him authority to execute judgment because he is the Son of Man. Do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming when all who are in the tombs, all who have ever been, will hear his voice and come out. And those who have done good to the resurrection of life, those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. And now new material, Jesus says, I can say with me, I can do nothing on my own. Now, when you read this whole previous passage and you, and you end with this sentence here, I can do nothing on my own, it's clear that Jesus is saying, um, I can't do anything without the Father's participation, without his approval, without his saying yes to it, without his maybe sending me in a sense to do it, his prompting me. I, Jesus, I can't operate by myself because I am one with God the Father. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, we are one. I can't do anything by myself. I know this is a little takeoff on that, but I want to give you some personal testimony myself. When I see this sentence, I can do nothing on my own, right now in my life it has a whole new meaning. Uh, ever since COVID just kicked me in the gut a year and a half ago, God is teaching me a new thing. So he... he Spared my life. God said, I'm not done with you. I just want you to learn some stuff in those nine days in the hospital and continuing to learn afterwards. God's given me mostly uh, return to health. But the one thing that continues to just be there for me is fatigue. Um, most every day, there's a time during the day when I really, really can barely function and need a nap. Sometimes it's the middle of the morning. Man, is that discouraging. That's, that's kind of rare, but it happens. Uh, most days I, I power through because I don't have time for napping, amen? But sometimes if you see me in a parking lot in town or the parking lot of a nursing home and you see me just like this in the car, I'm just taking 10 minutes. So there's physical things we can do, but I want you to know something. I've become very, very, very aware since COVID hit me. I can't do anything. mornings out, you wake up and you're like, what am I waking up for? I don't, I don't feel rested. I know some of you that haven't had COVID, you feel like that. I do. I know what it's like. Um, God's teaching me that I can abide in Him and I can depend on Him always, every day, for everything I need. So a couple passages I want to show I'll share with you from 2 Corinthians. Connecting to this, I can do nothing on my own. Um, God supplies. So 
2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6. Here Paul writes, For God, who said, Let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Folks, we could you could swim in that verse for a week and just enjoy it. It's so deep. God shines his light into our hearts to give us the light of knowing the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. We're going to get to do that for, you, for eternity in reality. Look into the glorious face of Jesus forever. And imagine how sweet and wonderful that's going to be. So, so we have this glorious presence and experience of God now as much as we're able to receive. Now listen to this. Verse 7 he says, But we have this treasure, the glory of knowing Jesus Christ, and knowing glory, uh, the glory of knowing God himself face to face. We have this amazing treasure, but we have it in what? What is it? What is it living in? In say with me, jars of clay. Now, this we aren't saying our bodies are junk and our bodies are bad. Uh, the other side of the world believes that that your bodies are worthless and so forth. That's not what we're saying. But we're saying the surpassing glory of Jesus Christ Himself lives inside me, and I'm a jar of clay. This thing is is decaying over time. It's getting older day by day. It's going to give it up one day. It says, isn't this bizarre and wonderful that this amazing eternal glory of God is living in this jar of clay? But there's a purpose in this. Look at this. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show something, to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. Every day I'm going to bed and I'm like, God, look what you did for me. I did not have the energy, the strength, the stamina to do it, but but you did. And so I, I to tell you, I find myself praying more and more all the time. In my weakness, Father, show your strength. Does he love to answer prayer like that? He's rejoicing in it. So I wanted to share this with you because you see animated, energetic, Christ is risen! He is risen indeed. You see that, Pastor Joe, on Sunday mornings, and you don't know that beforehand, the elders are often praying for me, oh God, give him energy, give him strength. Because I sometimes I'm just like, and they pray. And God shows up. So you see this, but this is God in and working through me. This is resurrection power working in and through me. This is why I love so much the fact, the truth, the reality, Christ is risen he is risen indeed. And he lives in me by faith. He lives in you by faith. So sharing with the kids, every aspect of life, where you are weak, where you don't have what it takes, you have a God who wants to give you resurrection power to accomplish the need. Call in his name. Believe, receive. So you can get in line and talk to Lisa after the service, but she'll verify this. It's, it's a pretty common thing now. She'll say, I don't know how you do it. I'm going, not me. I mean, it's she's testifying. She sees the fatigue, and then she sees me do things. She says, I don't know. It's God. It's the strength and the power. It's the resurrection power of Jesus. So that's what Paul's saying here. He says, we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. I want to declare, I'm testifying this morning, God is showing who he is in and through my life. He's doing it in you, too. But I want you to have a better idea what that looks like for a minute. 
Verse 8, he says, Paul says, we are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not driven to despair. I want to talk about that for a second. Perplexed. Are you perplexed about something in life right now? Beth shared she's lost a bunch of family members in recent times. We could be confused. For, God, what are you doing? What, why am I experiencing so much of that myself personally? Here's the deal. We can be perplexed about things in the moment, but we're not driven to despair. Why not? Because, you know what? I've come to know that God is sovereign over all things and that he knows best, and sometimes he shows me why that thing back there happened, why it did, when it did, how it did. Sometimes he reveals it to me. Not all the time, but sometimes why? He wants to build my faith and my trust that, God, you love me. You're my father. And you're sovereign, God, over all things in my life. And I might be perplexed right now, but I can trust that you're in it and you're working for my good. Isn't this wonderful? Say hallelujah. hallelujah. Grab on. But it takes a step of faith to reach out, believe, and trust him for it. Amen? I know some Christians who are perplexed and they're wallowing in the perplexity. Lift up your eyes, lift up your perplexity to him, and then tell him, God, I'm trusting. I don't understand it right now, but I'm trusting you with this because I know who you are. I know your heart for me. But we need to take the step of faith if we're going to have God give us the peace and walk us through it. Amen? Paul says, we're afflicted in every way, but we're not crushed. We're perplexed sometimes, but we're not driven to despair. We're persecuted. People are mean to us because of our faith sometimes. Man, it depends on where you live. But in some places, you can lose your life for it. He says, we're persecuted, but we're not forsaken. Listen to me. You could get, I could get arrested today and thrown in jail. I could be put down in the pit in solitary confinement because I believe in Jesus. I could be utterly forsaken in the physical human realm. But I am not forsaken ever because there is one who lives in me and he's always with me. Even to the moment I pass to the next realm. We are never forsaken. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. And he lives in me. We can be struck down. They might even take my life. I'm going to come back on a white horse with Jesus. And you're going to wish you hadn't. Because you didn't get Jesus before that time. I can be struck down, but I'm never going to be destroyed. Verse 10, Paul says, If I'm always carrying in the body the death of Jesus, isn't that a strange and powerful thing to say? But there's a purpose in that so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. So as we get older and older and the physical things become more and more apparent that I'm not going to make it forever, it's not going to happen, I guess. I'm not going to be the first one who, who never dies, right? It becomes more and more apparent over time. You know what shows itself more and more over time? God's doing cool things. He's preparing me for my resurrection body, which is going to rock. So that the life of Jesus may also be manifest in our bodies. Verse 11. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake. Paul's, Paul's 
should have been killed many, many times for Jesus' sake. But the purpose is that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. God wants the people around us to see Jesus alive in us. So when we go through hard times, what, what needs to be happening? I'm trusting you with it, Lord, and I'm sharing it with others how Christ is getting me through this. So don't wallow in the perplexity and fall into that pit and stay there because then there's no witness for Christ. Is Jesus alive and real and sovereign and powerful and over your life? If he is, then trust him with it and let that be part of your testimony. Now, God could have healed me completely from my COVID experience, and that'd be great. And I glorify his name for that. You know what? He's given me a lot of bounce back. But if this thorn in the flesh, we're going here next. This thorn in the flesh, he's allowed to remain in my life. But in its own way, it is also testifying of who God is. Every day he gives me the strength I need to do what's needful to do. Every day it's a miracle. And I testify. He says, so death is at work in us, but life in you. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. This is that wonderful passage where Paul describes this, this thorn in the flesh. And we don't know exactly the details and stuff. We've got some ideas. We don't know if we're right. <clears throat> but he, uh, let's pick it up. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 8. So Paul took this thorn to God in prayer, and uh, he asked God to take it away from him. And verse 8 says, three times I pleaded with the Lord about this. That brings to mind, anybody else ever plead with God three times about something really intensely? Jesus in the garden, right? Oh, God, isn't there some other way? And his father said, no, don't do it. Three times I plead with the Lord about this, that it should lead me, this thorn in the flesh. Verse 9, but God said to me, would you say this with me? My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. My physical weakness can be an opportunity for God to show his power perfectly. This is really fascinating to play with this in regards to God enjoying healing us, right? God loves to do that. Sometimes it glorifies his name. It always does. But, you know, so, but sometimes God lets the physical weakness, the challenge, the problem remain. And God has good purposes in that as well. Amen? Really fascinating. Interesting. What's the answer to that? The answer is yes. That's a, that's a joke, but it's for real. Right? My power is made perfect in weakness. Paul says, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. So I have an ulterior motive here this morning. As I'm testifying about my weakness, it, it's actually inviting God to do more of his power in me. Pretty cool, huh? I encourage you to do it too. Let people know. Don't just plaster on. I'm fine. Feeling great. Let them know. Having a rough time. But you know what? Jesus is faithful. Forever he's faithful. Let it be the testimony. Verse 10, for the sake of Christ then, for the sake of Christ, 
I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and say with me, calamities. Why? For when I am weak, then I am then I am strong in his providing strength. Jesus Christ, I testify to it. I testify that he is good, he is true, he is awesome, he is powerful, and he loves to answer the prayer that is says, God, I'm weak. I need your strength. He says, provide it to me. Thanks for testifying. Thanks for telling others who I am. Now, John, back to John chapter 5, uh, verse 30. So, I can hear, some might be saying, well, bully for you, Pastor Joe. Sounds great. Glad you're believing that God is giving you strength for each day's needs. But we want testimony. We want facts. We want evidence. That Jesus is the real deal. What do you say to that? Say John chapter 5 verse 30. Jesus says, I can do nothing on my own. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just. Because I seek not my own will, but the will of him who sent me. He says, I can't do anything on my own. I do everything in perfect concert and unity with the Father. Let me say glory. glory. That is so powerful. So that's why the Bible says, if you want to get to know who God the Father is, get to know Jesus, because he's the perfect representation of the Father. Isn't that wonderful? Verse 31. Jesus says, if I alone bear witness about myself, my testimony is not true, not valid. The Jews had a thing where if you're going to put somebody to death, you've got to have two witnesses who agree on every detail before you can put that person to death. So Jesus is saying, if I just witness about myself and take them into a courtroom, it wouldn't go anywhere. It wouldn't be valid. So where's the testimony going to come from? Verse 32. There is another who bears witness about me, and I know that the testimony that he bears about me is true. You sent to John. Which John? John the Baptist. You sent to John the Baptist, and he has borne witness to the truth. So in my Bible in margin, I put witness number one, and I circled it. John the Baptist. Now, why, why, why should we trust him? John the Baptist preached out in public to thousands and thousands of people for months and months. The whole nation came out to him at the Jordan River, and he had this anointing for conviction of sin. Anybody ever been to uh, Keith Green concert or listened to his albums or whatever? Okay, Even his albums carried it. I went to his concert. Keith Green, he wrote his own song. He would sing, and the conviction of the Holy Spirit would fall on you, and you, and you sit there knowing that you were a sinner like you'd never known before, all the way down to your socks. And then he'd present Jesus, and you were so in love with Jesus. But Keith Green had this anointing for conviction. John the Baptist had an anointing for conviction. And so Jesus says, you sent to John, he's born witness to the truth. So thousands of people went to John. They heard him preach the gospel, the good news about sin. And then they got baptized in droves. The whole nation knew John was from God. And what did John testify about Jesus after he baptized him? John said, there goes the Lamb of God who takes, the sin of the, takes away the sin of the world. There he is. There's the Messiah. Because John said, the Father told me, when you baptize a man and you see the Holy Spirit come down and rest and remain upon him, he's the man. So John, that everybody knows was from God, testified, Jesus is the Messiah. You sent to John, he's born witness to the truth. Verse 34. 
not that the testimony that I receive is from man, but I say these things, say with me, so that you may be saved. What What does God care about most of all things? He cares about your salvation, number one. He, John, was a burning and shining lamp, and you were willing to rejoice for a while in his light. But the testimony that I have is greater than that of John. For the works that the Father has given me to accomplish, the very works that I am doing, bear witness about me that the Father has sent me. You got your own Bibles right in the margin. Number two, witness number two, the works. What's Jesus talking about? He's talking about the miracles, people. Walking on water, feeding 5,000, raising them from the dead, healing every single person who ever came to him. Jesus says, these works testify about who I am. Now, now, hang on a minute. Even the people who got Jesus crucified on the cross testified to this fact. What did they say? He saved others. Why doesn't he save himself? Because he's working at saving you, you schmucks. <laughs> they testified. He saved others. They saw his works and they declared they were true. So this is second. First witness, John the Baptist. He's the Messiah. Second witness, the miracles Jesus did. Even his enemies, his opponents, (coughs) testified that they were real. Verse 37. The Father who sent me has himself borne witness about me. His voice you've never heard. His form you've never seen. You do not have his word abiding in you, for you do not believe the one whom he has sent. Ouch. You search the scriptures. You've got your Bible? Right, number three. Circle it. Here's the third big witness, the scriptures themselves. Right? Isaiah 53, Psalm 22. Tons of other passages in the Old Testament that speak thousands of years ahead of time about Jesus and who he was and what he would do. And he, he fulfilled them all. Jesus says, you, verse 39, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. Okay, love the Bible studies happening in the body of Dell. And I'm, I'm confident each one has its primary purpose in mind is to know Jesus, know him more, and share him with others. Do not fall in the trap of, gee, I'm getting to know about the Bible now, and God's going to let me in because I know a lot about the Bible. You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. No, we don't have we don't have eternal life because we know lots about the book. It is they that bear witness about me. John the Baptist is a witness. The miracles are a witness. The scriptures are a witness to Jesus. Verse 40, he says, Yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. Go to heaven because you study the Bible really diligently your whole life. No. You ought to study the Bible diligently your whole life because it points you to whom? Jesus Christ. That you might know him, love him, believe and trust in him for salvation. Verse 41. I do not receive glory from people, Jesus said, but I know that you do not have the love of God within you. I have come in my Father's name. These are the the hard-hearted chief priests that he's talking to right now, right? Jesus, I have come in my Father's name, and you do not receive me. If another guy comes in his own name, you'll receive him. How can you believe? 
when you receive glory from one another and do not seek the glory that comes from the only God. I, we, we love strokes. We love our, time, our fame, right? We love our picture up in lights and newspaper models. We love that. The one who loves Jesus, the only glory we care about is that the glory goes to him. Verse 45, do not think that I will accuse you to the Father, saying to these hard-hearted religious people, don't think that I will accuse you to the Father. There is one who accuses you, Moses, on whom you have set your hope. For if you believed Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote of me. Do you only study the New Testament? That's the only place you can find out about Jesus? The whole Bible points to him and speaks of him. Even the first five books of the Sadducees said resurrection wasn't there. Jesus showed them it was. It's all about him. It says, if you believe Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote of me. But if you do not believe his writings, how will you believe my words? Here's the testimony. Jesus didn't do anything on his own. He was in perfect union with the Father. You and I, we can't do anything on our own. Even the strength we need inner strength we need, the physical strength we need, whatever we need, it all comes from Jesus Christ himself. And, and I testify to you from the scriptures this morning, you can trust this truth. Christ is risen! He's risen indeed. It's true. It comes from the only perfect true book in the world has ever known. And the witness in the book says John the Baptist, who nobody ever, ever said was not from God, so forth and so on. His witness is true. We have John's witness. We have the miracles of Jesus, never once proven or shown to be wrong. People today are still saying he didn't rise from the grave. They're wrong. The evidence is overwhelming. Any court of law, if you brought the evidence in, would say Jesus must be alive. So John the Baptist, the works, the miracles themselves, his resurrection at the top of the list. Scriptures themselves. strength and his love for you is real today, every day is resurrection power. You got problems? You got weaknesses? You got issues? Welcome to the human family. You know what? Every single one of them is an opportunity for you to tell somebody else about how big and wonderful and strong Jesus is in your life, helping you through those things. <coughs> The Bible says the weaknesses are there as an opportunity for us to testify to how strong God is. Don't pretend your life is perfect. You're covering up opportunities to testify about Jesus. Weird, isn't it? No, it's wonderful. It's the way God thinks, not the way we think so much. Holy Spirit, help us more to think like God thinks. Renew our minds, transform our thoughts so we think like you. So God, I'm not really excited that I really battle with fatigue. I'm not glad for that. But I'm really glad that I can testify. And it hasn't been just this morning, but I can testify. God answers my prayers. He gives me strength to do things that I could not do in my own flesh. He's real. 
So God, I pray that you would lift this veil from our minds now this morning and that we would start being more and more a people who are willing to tell others about our weaknesses and our problems and our trials as we testify, here's what Jesus is doing in me and through me in this situation. Because you're an awesome, saving, blessing God. There's no other people in my life like you. God, empower our testimony to draw others closer to Christ Jesus before it's too late. Thank you, God, in Jesus' precious and wondrous name. All God's people said, Amen.